Hello, everyone. It's me, Allison. The show is about to start, but just real fast, a quick reminder. I want to tell you guys, um, if you are doing some shopping, perhaps some Black Friday shopping, holiday shopping, etc. Like Christmas type uh, shopping? Christmas type, any sort of shopping at all. I have put together some lists on Amazon. Lists with things stuff. on them? Daniel, just... <laughs> Pipe down for one second. (laughs) Beauty stuff, makeup stuff, home stuff, kids stuff, podcast equipment, books I recommend, all of this stuff. And Daniel's stuff? Oh, yeah. Daniel's Corner, where I put stuff that I know that he likes. But Daniel has recently gotten way more involved. And he put together a special Christmas spectacular gift guide for you. You guys will not even believe it. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what's on there, but it's literally uh, some things. Lots of things. And well, a whole big stuff. caption explaining if his you process. you know someone who's exactly like me, they are going to love it. And here's where you go to see all of this. Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. And we'll be adding to it. It's nonstop, you guys. Yeah. Okay, here's the show. Bye. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the way you dance again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I can't wait to bring in our guest. But first, I must chat with the self-professed bad boy of podcasting, my producer, Tony Thaxton, to find out how he's doing and catch up. Hello. Hello. You know, I I, I think I'm, I am the person that edits the show. I can start <laughs> taking that self-proclaimed out of there. Self-professed. <laughs> but that's you admitting it, Right. No, how is that me admitting it? Um, I don't know. I just feel like it is. I mean, yes, I get that you well that you were. I don't know, you know, because you freestyled on it, and what came to mind is, oh, I proclaimed this. But you're not, <laughs> you're not denying that you gave yourself the name, are you? I don't know. Am I? <laughs> I guess we'll find <laughs> out when we listen back. But ha ha, jokes on you. I never listen back. <laughs> that's not I know that's not true <laughs> sometimes I do but it always and I shouldn't say this since the thing I want you know more than anything is for everyone to listen to this show but occasionally I'll be like I need to listen back to that and there's this resistance do you have that well no we've already talked about this with your own show you have to listen back like a lot yeah because it's, it's all written and heavily edited and everything so yeah right I have to so I've got yeah I don't love are you talking about like listening to your own voice type of thing or just in general what you're saying? Um, you know, it's weird because the very I think the very first time I heard my voice recorded back in the day of cassettes, um, I thought, oh, my God, that's how I sound, which I think is the natural response. Yeah, but I, I spent so many that. years as a journalist where I would tape my interviews and then have to go back and transcribe that I, I don't mind hearing the sound of my voice. Some might even say I enjoy it. I I don't know. I think it's like immediately going back into the experience of a whole show. It just feels like I don't. That's not where I want to put my brain right now. Oh, I understand. Every every it's rare, but every now and then we have 
I think I think maybe only once, but we've had like a recording where I pretty much then immediately had to edit afterwards. And, you know, it's always fun doing the show, but to like do it back to back, just completely relive it. It's yeah, it's not ideal. It might just be a burnout thing. But yeah. here's the the good thing. Generally, when I go back and listen, I'm always pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, this, that was a great conversation. This is a fun show. Yeah, I, I found that, uh, yeah, it, it, it's so easy to get in your own head. And then, yeah, there's I found too, like there's things where like sometimes there's feels like this long gap. You're like, oh, is there like an awkward silence there? And then yes. when you listen back, it's like, oh, that was like a half of a second. Right. It felt like 10 seconds right. in the time. Yeah. Well, full anyway. disclosure, we just had Bobcat Goldthwait on. He's delightful. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had a long running crush on him. Listeners know. But anyway, the end, the dismount was a little bit awkward because when I was like, thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on, which is not the real ending. That's when yeah. I say that and then we do plugs and then we end and then we turn everything off and then you I actually say goodbye to the guests. And I think he needed to go because he had a dentist appointment, but also he was like, I think he thought, I don't know. It was a little bit awkward and I felt very weird about that. But then I went back and watched the, and by the way, I'm revealing trade secrets because by the time people listen to it, I am confident, Tony, that you will make it sound non awkward, but I went back and listened to it and it really wasn't nearly as like clunky as I thought it was. Yeah, it was fine. I haven't, I haven't edited it yet, um, but uh, I remember in the moment it being, you know, it wasn't how it was supposed to happen, but yeah. it was, you know, things happen. It was Sometimes fine. the magic happens when things go off off the tracks. Now, in that case, that's not an example of that, but sometimes it could be. <laughs> yep. Anyway, Tony, when you edit it, you make that episode sing like only oh, the I bad will. boy of podcasting can. Yep. I'm going to auto-tune it. <laughs> Perfect. I want to hear Cher <laughs> in the background. <laughs> All right. Um, you know what? Actually, uh, I was about to bring in our guest, but I'm going to ask you, Tony, do you have a relation? Do you know our guest? You know what? I got to just say who it is. I got to say who it is. And then I got to find out whether Tony already knows this person, because I, at the very end of my interview with Bobcat, after it was over, only then did I find out that he and Tony are are fairly friendly and I was like, well, I wish I had known that ahead of time. So now I'm going to grill you ahead of time on your relationship with every single guest that comes on. So <laughs> please put your... Oh, I have really worked myself into a corner here of not knowing how to do this because this is the cue to bring in the guest. Oh, boy. In a moment, put your hands together after we find out if Tony knows her for <laughs> very funny writer and host of the new podcast how to survive with danielle and christine it is ms danielle koenig tony okay so she is <laughs> this couldn't this couldn't be more awkward this tony. is putting bobcat to shame <laughs> it's really <laughs> this is making that look like butter <laughs> tony yes you are friendly with danielle's husband Jimmy Pardo, yes, who hosts Mr. Never Jimmy Not Funny, Pardo, yes. which I've also been a guest on a ton, and, and I love Jimmy as well. So do you already know Danielle? We have met, but not that much, though, like only kind of briefly. I think, I, like weirdly, like we'll be at Pardcastathon, but we like never yeah. cross paths all that often. And uh, I remember meeting at a party, I believe, a couple yeah. of years ago. Uh, but well, yeah, we haven't had you're too on stage usually at yeah. Pardcastathon playing those drums. So Correct. 
Yeah. And, but I need to know, I don't know you well enough to know why you are the bad boy of podcasting. And I would like an answer. I don't know him well enough to know. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I just assumed it was obvious. Okay. He's, fair enough. He's, we'll let that lie. He's dangerous. He's got facial hair. Yeah. He plays drums in a rock band I mean, that oh, oh my god wayfarers youtube.com slash allison rosen danielle brings up a good point are those genuine ray bands or do they want to be oh they're they're genuine he's got the but real they seem article like a different shape can we uh, see those than again, the classic risky business Ray-Bans. i know there are there are different yeah i don't know oh, but ones. these are Look, it reminds the logo, me. The logo's there. I, I promise. I know. I saw it. <laughs> the bad boy thing reminds me of. Um, I don't know if you remember the ice skater, the male ice skater, Elvis Stroiko, but my friend. I do remember that name. You do. My friend yeah. Jim Newman was like, "Yeah, he's the bad boy of ice skating." You know why? <laughs> and I said, "Why?" Because they did call him the bad boy of ice skating. And I said, "Why?" And he goes, "Because he's straight." <laughs> <laughs> That's what made him the bad boy of ice skating. <laughs> I wonder how this relates to like. The bad boy of podcasting. No, it's I not. am also straight. Oh, I know, but <laughs> all right, well, that's not you. Don't corner the market on that. <laughs> yeah, please I, I put know, your I, hand. Oh, believe me, I know. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere, everywhere well, you go, so many male white, right. yes, straight, lousy podcasters with, with other Tonys. Um, exactly. But, okay, but I don't think they're named Tony. Are you? You might be the only Tony in podcasting that like instantly comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Sure, I'll go with that. And if there are others, I'll bet they're Anthony's, but I'm just a Tony. Are you Are you literally not an Anthony? I am not an Anthony. I am just Tony. I my mind is blown. Are you Italian? No. <laughs> what was going on with your parents? Yeah. They just liked the name. That is it's interesting. Li- like literally there's no more there's nothing interesting to it at all. It's I feel robbed. I feel like there needs to be more explanation. Yeah. What are you um, hiding, bad boy? Tony. Or, or what are my parents hiding from me? That's right. The bad parents of podcasting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> bad boy's parents. Okay. Just because I, we have to do it, please put your hands together for Danielle Koenig. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very Welcome. excited to be here. Uh, I am very excited to have you on the show. Okay. So you and I met at a party many years ago um, at Phil Rosenthal's. Okay. And yes. I told you that my friend Greg Heller, who was has, oh, yeah. was just on the show, a lot of, and many of my listeners know him because he used to be a regular on the Thursday show. He, he was a showrunner of the comment section, which you're a writer right. on. And he would yes. always tell me, you're so funny. You're like the funniest oh, writer. Gosh. He always just lavished oh, praise so on you. Oh, that's so nice. I wonder why he doesn't hire me again. Um, but that's very nice. Oh, he also, he hates you, though, because you're so funny. That's what he said. <laughs> As do all people. Um, yeah, no, that was a great show. That was really fun. I, I specialize in shows no one's ever heard of on networks no one's ever heard of. But um, that one was actually was on E! So you've heard of the network, but it was really fun. Uh, we just took headlines and did them in a sort of news presentation, but they were done by... Um, Michael Costa, who's on The Daily Show, was the host. But we would talk about the comments that were on the article. So that's why it was called the comments section. So it was like all the crazy shit people say on the internet, you know, 
mainly deranged, <laughs> you know, so that was really fun. Yeah. Well, speaking of crazy shit, your new podcast, How to Survive. Yes. Each, t- tell me about this. Tell me about what drew you and your co-host to this topic. So my co-host is Christine Kimmel, and she is one of those people who's kind of afraid of everything, like every kind of natural disaster. She just kind of like, she goes into a restaurant, she checks out the exits, you know, that kind of person <laughs> mm-hmm. who's like worried something's going to happen. It doesn't like destroy her life, but it's definitely a part of her life. And I'm not like that at all. I do not worry about that sort of thing. I have my own, you know, inner turmoil that I'm constantly, it's more self-involved, I guess. So the idea of the show is we explore one of these like natural disasters or like what if you, what would happen if you were attacked by a bear? What would happen in an earthquake? How do you prepare? So we give quote unquote legitimate advice that we've Googled. Um, <laughs> is that why it's I'll, in quotes? Yes, because I we are not claiming to be experts on anything. Um, but we also have fun with it and, you know, we try to be funny about it. And then we have on a guest for the second half um, and we talk about something more personal that's happened to them that they've survived. And we try to link it. So if it's like um, how to survive um, a fire and how to survive being fired. And we'll have someone come on and tell a story about being fired. So... Uh, and we want you to come on now. I would love you, to come on. Are you making in-house appearances or? Um, you know, I feel like I could be. For a period of time, I was. I think I did Never Not Funny during that period of time. Uh, okay. And then we had, but this was like back when Delta was everywhere. Yes. We had a scare and I got very freaked out and I felt like, okay, maybe it's not, maybe I can't be moving about as confidently as I was yeah. before. But now really like the numbers in LA are so good. I'm going to say, yes, I am. <gasps> good. We'll book yeah. you then. Okay. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very excited. And you have itty bitties, right? I you do. I have kids? a, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And so what was the age that was just approved? Five? Yes. Uh, but they will be the next group. I've yeah. heard like maybe January, February. Okay. So, great. I don't know. Um, that, well, it's very, the idea of linking like the personal catastrophe and the natural disaster yeah, the way you guys do it, it's very clever. Who Thanks. who makes the link? How do you guys figure it well, out? <laughs> so initially, what we did is we would send out a list of topics. Like you could choose from these topics. So if someone chose a topic, we would have something in mind. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of like, well, these are professional comedians. They don't need to be given a list of topics. They should come in with the story they like. So sometimes we bend over a little backwards to make it sound like it's related <laughs> in some way. We did, for instance, flesh eating disease. And freshman year. So, you know, a little bit. <laughs> right. A so little, it's, you're playing fast and loose. <laughs> a little, little fast and loose. It doesn't necessarily have to really. It's sort of like a pun. Right. Um, but what are some of the. Okay. So you did. I know you did one. A bear attack. What was that linked to? An overbearing people. Nice. Yes. Uh, earthquake. We haven't done earthquake yet. Okay. That's. But maybe something like your foundation is. Like maybe if you get divorced or something, oh, your that's foundation good. is pulled out from under you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. But even just when here. you're, but, but you're, sh- <laughs> I mean, this is the excellence of Danielle Koenig when you're just spitballing. There's really something there. One was um, like bombing on stage, right? Yes. So that was a nuclear bomb. And um, in fact, I was listening to your podcast and I don't remember the. John Moe. Yes. And he was talking about, um. The day after yes. the the TV movie event, and we actually talk a great deal about that on our episode of that. So it's yeah, it was nuclear bomb and uh, bombing on stage. Yeah, with Matt Weinhold. So so you say that you 
yourself do not have this fear of natural disasters, but you have inner turmoil. So what's the inner turmoil? Yeah. So I just mainly, I'm, it's more just, I worry about my son. Mm -hmm. I just worry about like, is he going to be able to make a living? And not because of anything wrong with him or anything, just because he's interested in show business. And, you know, I grew up with unemployed parents and I've been largely unemployed, you know, on and off. And I just, I worry about that kind of stuff. And like, oh, will he get over his, you know, whatever neuroses he has? Like, how do I, how do I fix that before he gets a woman? You know what I mean? Like, I (laughs) break him of the shit I went through before. So it's more like that. It's more like, so, you know, I, I'm a mother of a, of a single, of a one kid. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, the fun thing about that is you just focus all your energy and neuroses on one person. <laughs> and, um, I'm assuming it's different if you have more than one kid. I don't know, but well, you, I you know, think you can spread it out a little. Sort of like the heart can expand and love however many children you have. I feel like the neuroses can expand and concentrate <laughs> on however many right. you have. <laughs> right. I know that I I talked with Jimmy about um, only having one kid and he I think what he said was that it was like you guys knew that that was sort of like you already you you got the best you're going to get. Like why roll the dice again? Is that how you felt too? Yes, but I think even before he was born, I think I really only wanted one. Um, But like I definitely sometimes get this romantic notion. Oh, it would be so nice if there were like three kids. Mm -hmm. Like I see families with multiple kids and I'm like, oh, that's so lovely. But I don't feel like we made a mistake or anything. I think we did the right thing for us. Um, but yeah, he is pretty terrific. And I kind of feel like we'd be pressing our luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. So it's it, it all works for us. I remember uh when we talked years ago, you were I was pregnant with Elliot at my mm. first at the time. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, and I think I was relating, that you did not enjoy pregnancy. I did not at all. No, me neither. No, either time? Uh, No. I I think it, my memory is that I disliked it more with Elliot. Of course, I was overjoyed to be pregnant. Yes, right. But the the physical experience of being pregnant, I found unpleasant. I think, I think with, I think I was actually more uncomfortable with Owen, but just, I had a real hard time kind of, adjusting to this new body that I was in. It's and weird. Feeling right? out of control. And yeah. th- the whole thing was just so so when I was pregnant with Owen, because I had already done it, it was a little bit easier, but I felt sicker. Yeah. So I was throwing up basically for the first two semesters two uh trimesters and semesters of <laughs> school. And I still have nightmares that I'm naked there. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, I, I was just having lunch with a friend today uh, who has a three-year-old, and I was telling her, you know, I went off my antidepressants while I was pregnant because I was worried about mm-hmm. whatever it could do, and um, so that was very difficult. I was very depressed. Yeah, and then I'm just, I don't, I don't want to sound pretentious, like I'm a dancer, but I, I come from dancing, and I come from being able to like exercise, and so it was very strange to have this different body and. um I still exercise and everything, but it's just, it's just uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. being given a different body after you've had the same body your whole life. It's just right. weird. It is very so, weird. So yeah. Yeah. I was happy to get him out <laughs> <laughs> 10 days late, but still. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And then That's how was the, this is not a, 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 
a pregnancy <laughs> podcast, but I am curious how was labor. I won't go in. Well, let's just put it this way. He was induced because he was late. He did not want to separate from me is my <laughs> feeling about it. If you knew him as a little kid. Um, and so I was induced and I wasn't told that Pitocin, which is the drug they give you to induce labor, is more painful than mm -hmm. natural labor. I did not know that. So I was going to do the whole, I'm going to try to push without drugs until I, you know, and, and then we'll see. Well, I'll just play it by ear. Well, as soon as they gave me the Pitocin, I was like, oh my God, give me the epidural. Give me the epidural. I had mm -hmm. no idea it was going to be that painful. It was like excruciating. Yeah. So like I was moaning and Jimmy heard, he had just like taken that moment to go down the hall and had no idea it was me because he, I, he had never heard me sound like that before. So then, um, yeah, everything went smooth except he came out with a penis when he was not supposed to. Oh, you were so, expecting a girl. Yeah. They told us we were having a girl. Wow. So the rooms were pink and there were dresses washed and hung up waiting for her. And it was just, it was very on brand for me. If you know me and you know my life, being told I'm having the opposite gender kid is pretty, pretty much falls in line. And I, 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 I bet you must have had a, a girl name chosen too, right? We did. We had a couple. We had um, uh, Olivia. No, I think Olivia was going to be the middle name. Um, why am I blanking? Oh, oh my God, I'm blinking. I'll come back to That's it. Okay, I know that yeah. sounds crazy. But um, I was really, that was the other thing I hate about my pregnancy. I didn't want a girl. I was terrified. I did not want a girl just because I was a girl and I know how hard it was. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted a boy. And then I was like, Jesus Christ, I finally got used to the idea of having a girl. And then out he comes. So, yeah. That's really unusual because usually, it, usually it's the uh, the genitalia they're seeing, and that's what makes them like with both yeah. of mine. Um, there was something they saw on the film, and that's how they knew. So he was hiding it. Yeah, he was hiding it. Wow. Well, that's what you get for being in Kaiser. So <laughs> I mean, you know. So you, I was kind of the opposite of you, where I really wanted a girl because I thought this will give me. I was like, I mean, it, it's a good thing that I, it's kind of a good thing that I didn't have girls because when I say what I'm about to say, anyone with any sort of like psychological savvy will be able to realize that like everything I'm saying is about me. It's not about being a good parent. <laughs> you, wanted to, you wanted to redo your childhood. Yeah. I was like, I can't wait to, to help her through her first period. I can't Aww. wait to help her through high school, through her wedding and all these, all these rites of passage that I, I felt like didn't go well for me i'm gonna right. be like super mom for her so right. in a way when i found out i was having boys once i sort of uh, you know adjusted to it mm -hmm. i thought well this is good because all of that stuff i just mentioned is that's about me oh, it's that's not about interesting. you know yeah um but but you were the opposite you didn't want to have yeah a i didn't want to deal with um the whole idea of self not that Boys don't have self-esteem issues, but the whole idea of looks and mm -hmm. weight. And I was just really scared about it. Yeah. And I was just, and then as I was, as the pregnancy was coming to an end, I was like picturing having tea parties and like going <laughs> certain places. So I was like, oh, I can do this. This is okay. I can do it. And then it was like, oh, <laughs> okay. No, I had a boy all along and that's what I was not supposed to have, but that's what I've always wanted. So yeah. it worked out. Yeah. Um, 
So I know a little bit about your childhood because I was just listening to you, listening to a very timely episode from 2013 of you on the JV club. (laughs) Okay. But, um, and I was relating to a lot of things you were saying about your childhood, like growing up in a family of malcontents, feeling Mm -hmm. not really particularly girly. um, Yeah. Not a lot of attention or not any attention from boys. Right. Um, be very, very concerned with uh, the other people's perception of you. So can you, oh, can yeah. you talk more about like oh, what sure. it was like? Yeah. I mean, I was just not an attractive kid and it wasn't like in my head, like I once went to therapy and she's like, well, bring in a picture of when you were in fourth grade so I can understand what you're talking about. You know, let me just see like, you know, I, I you know, what your perception is. And I brought in a picture this is like a famous picture I used to talk, not famous, I used to talk about it where I'm wearing like a denim vest over a white collared shirt with my hair like pulled back, but not smooth because my mom <laughs> didn't do my own hair. I had to do it. And um, and braces because I had braces really early. Mm-hmm. And I was like this. <laughs> and I brought it in and she was like, oh, I can see what you're talking about. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, she didn't give me a get out of here. She She was like, yeah, you're totally justified in feeling how you felt, which actually did feel good, but it was also yeah, that's validating. funny. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I was just not an attractive kid. And um, I did ballet from a very early age, from five. And, you know, it's a very feminine pursuit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel the most feminine. I mean, I definitely tried in ballet and I and I loved it. But I was never good enough. So that was another thing. Like, why did I stick with something that I clearly wasn't good enough to achieve in and that my friends were better at? It's like a strange sort of um, mentality. Like, why did I? Well, I guess I loved it in a sense, but it also brought me a lot of pain. So I don't know. I, I always find it fascinating when people are, I hope I'm not getting too far afield here, but no, that's when, fine. Pe- when people are delusional, like when I first started watching um, uh, American Idol, and people would sing in the auditions and they thought they were good and they were terrible. And I was like, I don't understand that mentality. I don't understand not being aware of your limitations. Like I was so self-critical that, I mean, maybe also I could see around me, but that's what mm-hmm. I don't get. Like you can see people around you who are doing this well. Why don't you get that? Or it was just very strange to me. Right. But yeah, so I was always the kid who was, I was very good in school and I was always funny or trying to be funny. Um, and my fifth grade teacher, who ended up to be my parents' therapist. Um, at a later time? Yeah, at a later time. <laughs> oh, my parents waited way after I moved out of the house to get therapy and cable. Both. They were just like, nope, <laughs> no relief for you. We're waiting. Um, yeah, she like named me, you know, the kid in the class with the best sense of humor or something. I was always, it was very much a defense mechanism. I'm very stunned today when I see really attractive women who are funny. And it, it happens more and more. And it's great, but I'm just, I completely don't understand, like, why did they have to be funny? Like, I, I can't. I always assume that maybe they grew into their looks and they, like, there must have been some kind of something that will explain this. But you're very beautiful. Were you not oh. attractive as a kid? Thank you so much. No, um, you are. To me, you're very classically beautiful. Like, oh my God, that is like. <laughs> I didn't mean to 
doesn't make you uncomfortable. No, I'm. I'm oh, you, so- you've done the opposite. Oh, I know Allison okay. well. I'm, I'm gonna get re-booked. I love a compliment, especially that one. That just took an old wound that I carry around with me and really? like buffed it. You know, cle- uh, put a bandaid on it or 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 fixed it because I remember being on the phone with this guy that I had this crush on when I was in my early 20s and he said something about he was ta- I think he was talking he re- oh who's the director not Lynch John John Waters okay yeah wait what's the movie? cry baby no I'm thinking of lost highway so it is Lynch oh yeah, um, yeah. like he like he had a, a an very like auteur kind of artistic sensibility and i think he was drawn to what would be considered flawed beauty and i so i sort of wondered like where do i fit into this and then he i remember he said with this i don't think he meant it to be so harsh but he's like what like you consider yourself some classic beauty and i was like oh, i will talk about this in 20 years on a podcast oh. You asshole. So I hope he's listening and I hope he knows that you said I am classically beautiful. I do think you are. I think I, it's very thank you. I don't consider d- myself that at all. I was um I was the fat kid. I was overweight as a oh, kid. Oh, okay. And I mean I was I was I, I I was cute at the beginning, I would say. Um, and then my younger sister was born, and around the time she turned into the most adorable baby in the whole world i mean she had like and it sounds not cute but it was really cute she had like an adult face on a child i know that sounds horrifying (laughs) she sounds like uncanny valley or something i know but i mean there was just this no but i know what you mean there are some children who you're like should i think that child is gorgeous yeah but gorgeous people would like come across this like they they just wanted to touch her like, oh, my God, she looks like Elizabeth Taylor. Like she had uh, just she this- have blue eyes. No, actually. But <laughs> I'm like, no, but she had um, very defined eyebrows and like a soulfulness. Wow. I know it's I, though I'm not doing it justice. She no, should have it. been a model, except that she did not like everyone wanting to touch her. I think she didn't like the attention. But around yeah. that time, I was really chunking up. I had curly hair that my mom didn't know what to do with. I had Mm. one of my front teeth was like almost (laughs) at a 90 degree angle to the other one. (laughs) And I I would wear like dolphin shorts and a crop top. Of course you did. (laughs) I was super into Michael Jackson and I made my own Michael Jackson buttons. Um, Yeah, I was like, just. Did you very... have one of those, Michael? Did you not, Michael? Do you have one of those button makers? Yes, that is awesome. I yes. think I'm really jealous. It, it was called like Make a Badge, I think, <gasps> and they had different different price points for the Make a Badge because the cheaper ones you had to like get an adult to pull the lever because they were so difficult. So you never had one, but you knew of them. Yeah, I never had one, but I can picture it. So I must have seen it at some point. It was really hard to pull the lever on it. Um, but I think I, it's I, so funny that it's like parents, if you don't want to have to help, <laughs> shell out the bucks. Exactly. The you can get the more automated one. Sort yeah. of like SodaStream. The early ones are like yes. pretty mechanical. And now I think it's more more automatic. But the anyway, I got, so the SodaStream I, I got is terrible now. 
The better, the older one was better. Oh, really? Leaks all the time. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I know Tony's a real soda stream head. Mm -hmm. I've had one leak before, but like only like once or twice. I didn't know if it was something with the actual cartridge or what. Um, It must be doing something wrong. Maybe I should get get out my old my vintage soda stream and dust that one off and see how it works. Now that I know I that it of, might be better. I feel like a classic beauty like me would use a vintage. Soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember no. the name of my fake baby by the way. Oh, what was it? Um her. It, she. <laughs> <laughs> I was this whole time I was like, how could you not fucking remember the name of your <laughs> would-be child? Um so Ruby Olivia was one choice and oh, the other sweet. choice was um no, I can't remember the uh oh Bella Mave. These are very romantic sweet names. Yes. But I knew Bella was used a lot and I really liked the name Ruby. And I think we would have gone with Ruby. That's I, and a cute now name. whenever you see a little baby named Ruby, she always has glasses and she's always like the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. My, just, and Ruby Pardo sounds great. It I really does. Yeah. So you had to pivot. Had a pivot big time and they came in and they kept asking, what's his name? And I'm like, I don't know. You told me it was going to be a girl. So why don't you give me a second? (laughs) So (laughs) we were debating between Oliver and Oscar. I don't know where we got those names. And um, his middle name is Griffin. And I would have named him Griffin Oliver Pardo, but then his initials would have been GOP. And I didn't really want that. So um, we looked up like popular names in the United States because we didn't want a super popular name. Right. And Oliver was not up there. But we didn't, we made the mistake of not looking up popular names in California. Mm-hmm. Because then it was like, oh, everyone's named Oliver. So yeah. it was kind of a bummer. But anyway. My son's, my 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 four-year-old's middle name is Oliver. Oh, yeah. see? That Elliot Oliver? Oh, uh-huh. that's cute. That's really Thank cute. You. Thank you. Oh. So anyway, yeah. So I uh, I, too, was an awkward kid. Um, and I think that I still, it's fairly easy for me to still dip into that feeling. What about you? I mean, kind of every day it's like, I had a nose job, but it didn't really take. So, um, (laughs) wait, what does that mean? You didn't like the results? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't look like I've had a nose job. It's still pretty large, but, uh, yeah, I asked for subtle and that was not probably the best idea. Um, so you know, I, it's hard for me to look at myself. Like you were having us take pictures earlier. I'm like, this just feels like getting the COVID shot. Like, let's just get it over with. I don't want to, I don't like taking pictures. Um, oh, that was the other reason I didn't want a girl. I was like, she's going to have my face. She's going to have to, I used to do a joke about getting in utero, uh, rhinoplasty for my <laughs> daughter. Um, I was like so worried. So, you know, um, yeah, I just, it's not like I ever really grew out of it. I feel like I had a few years in my early 20s where I was like, um, oh, like, oh, okay, now I'm, now I'm sort of attractive, but that was very short-lived feeling. So, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's always with me, always. Oh, this, I think a lot of people will relate to this because I think so many human beings walk around feeling this way. But it like hurts my heart to hear that you feel that way because you, I think you are a classic beauty. Uh, Well, there's nothing classic about this face, but I appreciate it. And also, I grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, and you were also going on auditions in the midst of yes, all this, right? Yes. So I was a kid actor. And <laughs> it's really funny. I was remembering that I used to... There was a girl in my junior high who was a very popular girl. 
and I was not in the popular group, but I was, you know, I knew them and I was like in acting class with mm-hmm. the popular kids. But um, she also was an actor. So we would see each other after school at auditions and it was just kind of awkward because we didn't really talk during school. And then it would be like, hi, you know, <laughs> like, but she, I mean, at least she wasn't like a, she wasn't like a blonde, you know, typical California looking girl either, mm-hmm. but she did have blue eyes and she was sort of striking. And um, yeah, so I did audition and that was very hard. It was, again, maybe not the best decision to be judged on your looks on a regular basis when every other girl in there has like, you know, beautiful blonde hair and blue eyes. And this was not the time of ethnic casting. So mm-hmm. it was very, um, not that I was a great actor. I really wasn't, but I would get close enough, enough times that, you know, kind of like, hmm. Um, but I booked some things and I was always like the ugly best friend. And, um, now I feel bad. Like you can't even be the ugly best friend. Like even the ugly best friend is gorgeous. I know it's like terrible. It's, it's, I mean, I guess it's changing a little bit. Like I do see some shows where the kids are like different sizes and Mm -hmm. different, you know, but I mean, yeah. Right. But in movies, especially, yes, there are exceptions, but typically it's like the Sandra Bullock thing where, Oh, she's so awkward. Then she takes off her glasses and lets her hair <laughs> right. down. It's like, oh, she was Sandra Bullock all along. Right. But at least she's the lead. But I'm saying when it's like the second lead and, mm-hmm. you know, the friend, the best friend, and they have to be striking right. for some reason. It's like, it's so the, silly. Was the acting something? Because I know you come from a showbiz family. Was yes. the acting, your dad, for people who don't know, your dad was on Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and, and was your mom also a performer? My mom is an actor. She didn't do recognizable things. So um, I always say she's an actress, which means she does plays where she plays someone 20 years older than herself, always with a British accent, whether <laughs> the part calls for it or not. Um, <laughs> she can't really play characters 20 years older than she is anymore because she's quite up there. But um, she's a theater actress. Mm-hmm. And my brother was an actor. He was on a TV show called Growing Pains. Yes, boner. And so it was definitely the family business. And no, I enjoyed it. And I mean, I, I like, think- did you choose, did you say, I want to yes. do this too? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't like my parents never pushed me or mm-hmm. anything. And I mean, I think my preference probably would have been to be a ballet dancer, but I just wasn't good enough. And mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't. And um, so a lot of that is like, that's why I always, re- I'm so resentful of people who say like, if you just try hard enough, you could do anything. It's like, no, you fucking can't. That's a ridiculous thing. And you should not tell your children that. Because yeah. there are natural talents that some people don't have. And there's also luck. And anyway, I'm a little bit uh, a downer about that. But I think you can get better at things. I don't I don't think you can necessarily make your dream come true because you wish it. Um well, I just got really dark. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> but, it's honest. So, it's honest. Hey, it's honest. we've had a very terrible couple of years here. So I feel like yeah. this is a, ref- you know, you're upbeat compared to what a lot of us are <laughs> dealing with. Good. Um, so yeah. So, but the acting I did enjoy and I actually went to theater, uh, a theater high school. I went to, uh, it's called LA County High School for the Arts and mm-hmm. I was a theater major and I really did enjoy that. I had great friends and, you know, I didn't end up becoming an actor but um, I acted while I was at the school. You know, I, I mean, I did some professional stuff while I was at the school. Um, you weren't supposed to, but they didn't really care because it, it was nothing. It was always like a week on a show. It wasn't like a long term. Why were gig. you not supposed to? It was one of those things where it's like you're not supposed to do professional gigs because I guess because they want you to be s- serious about the studying mm. and they don't want you to keep going in and out of school. But I didn't work enough that it was a problem. Right. And... 
Yeah, they don't. And I maybe maybe it's just a sort of a a philosophical thing of like you're not ready yet, but like you don't really need a full theater training to be on a sitcom. So <laughs> right. you know, it's okay. Um, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to find out about the show where you played two different ugly friends. <laughs> okay. Santa baby, it's holiday season and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer? Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer competition. Is there a competition? I didn't know that. Manscaped, thank you for giving me an excuse to get all the gifts he's been needing year round. They've changed more than 4 million men worldwide for the better. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash best friend. So Daniel now has the entire suite of Manscaped products. He is so so he would die if he knew I was telling you this, but he is so well-groomed right now. Uh, he will go into the bathroom late at night and I just hear bzzz, bzzz, but like it's not, it's quiet. Maybe, maybe more like, bzzz. I don't know what he's doing in there, but he is loving his Manscaped products. And I am loving that he's loving his Manscaped products. Ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice. Tis the season to perform. Ladies, you know what I mean. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower body trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for his balls, back, chest, the list goes on, and the weed whacker ear and nose trimmer. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the crop preserver ball deodorant and the crop reviver ball toner to keep them smelling nice down there. You're getting yourself a deal with the performance package. Order now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscapes boxers and the shed travel bag. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man. And trust me, he will thank you. Uh, these formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know his cojones are in good hands. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash best friend. Cheers to rocking the best gifts of all this season. A gift for him, but really a gift for you. XOXO Manscaped. I also want to tell you guys about Skylight Frame. I love Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is this beautiful, sleek, high-end digital photo frame. Uh, before they were even a sponsor on the show, Daniel came to me and he said, Honey, I know what we should get the grandmas for Mother's Day. Or maybe it was Christmas. I can't remember. It was it was like one of the big ones where we're like, we need to send them something really nice. And he showed me the Skylight Frame, which I hadn't heard of. Uh, and we sent it to them. They both, neither of them, are super duper tech savvy or anything. They both got it up and running within minutes. They both love them. Now we have one. I love it. Uh, it's really easy to set up and then you can, you, there's a special email address you have and you can email photos to the frame. So then they appear instantly. When we go down to visit my parents, my kids love to play with it. They swipe through, they can heart different photos. It's just a really nice way to say, Hey, you mean something to me, even though we're far apart, or you mean something to me, even though I live with you. It's just a great gift all around. 
I recommend it very highly. Now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code Allison. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code Allison. That's Skylight Frame. S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. Promo code Allison. All right. And we're back. So I know that you played two different characters on Life Goes On. And let me tell you, I was a, (laughs) this this is the most depressing. I was a featured extra on Life Goes On. A featured extra. I think I got maybe $10 more than the other extras. Did you have to do something? Well, like, what did you do that made you a featured extra? I dove into a pool. Um, Oh, that's good. Yeah. Becca, was that her name? Yep. Becca was on i don't know if she was on a swim team or if it was just swim practice at school but it was it was students uh it was her and whatever her friend's name on the show was who had the curly dark hair andrea you know i actually don't remember yeah i don't either but they were there and then there were like there was a handful of us who dove off the side of the pool of the did you grow up here in la i grew up in orange county Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you were doing extra work. Were you an adult doing playing a kid or were you a kid? No, I was like 13. I really, oh. really wanted to I wanted to be doing what you were doing. Oh. <laughs> I really wanted to be a performer. And at first my parents said no because they felt like that's not they didn't want me to be a child star. Although I don't yeah. think they need to worry about that. Um, <laughs> but they just were like, This no, let's not do that. And then at some point they said if if all we're doing is driving you, like if you take care of everything and we're just driving you, we won't stand in the way of your dream. Okay. So I think I called, I found a manager um, and then I started wow. doing extra work and then I started, I got an agent and started going on auditions and things like that. But then around the time I was, I mean, I think it was, if I had been, I always looked older than I was. So if I had been emancipated, maybe that would have helped. I don't oh, know, okay. but I wasn't. Um, and around the time I turned 18, I just, it wasn't, I was getting ready to go to college and like it just didn't hold no lure for me anymore. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I always looked younger than I was. So I was playing, I mean, usually it's a couple of years younger, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So I was on two different episodes of, um, of life goes on playing Becca's friend both times, I think. And one was something Becca in the newspaper. She was selling a, um, school newspaper or something, or I was, I remember I was selling it and I, it was one of those, there was so much physical stuff where you Mm -hmm. had to like make a mark, say your line, hand out things. And I was very nervous. I remember that. And then the other one, I think it was the other one, I was super nervous because I had to ride a bicycle and I am not good at riding a bicycle. Like it's a whole fucking lore in my family. But anyway, (laughs) it's a whole reason. But so I was like terrified. I had always been worried that I would have to, which of course is ridiculous because I would never be cast in this part, but I was always worried that I'd have to kiss a boy on, <laughs> on a TV show when I hadn't done it in real life. So mm-hmm. I was terrified, but this was almost worse. I was like, oh my God, I have to, I saw the bicycle and I was like, and for some reason, I don't know what happened, but they cut it out that I didn't have to ride the bicycle. I didn't say anything. I was just going to fake it. I was uh-huh. just, but I was, I was so fucking nervous and like worried. And so I was very relieved, but yeah. So yeah, it was fun, but so what was the, so you had to sell a newspaper and then what was the, the, the plot of the episode where you had to ride the bike, but they didn't use it. 
I don't remember now. It's so weird that I don't remember. I, I just remember one was, yeah, that we were doing like an underground newspaper. That's what it was. Oh. Like Becca was, you know, because she was such a rabble rouser. Right. And so we were doing, <laughs> you know, an underground newspaper. So I was, it was more like I was resentful of her because she was a pretty girl or something. It was mm. something horrible like that. And they always put me in insane costumes whenever I would do these shows, like big blossom hats and shit like that, like <laughs> layers and layers and layers. This was the time period. It was like, you weren't supposed to wear anything flattering. It was all mm-hmm. hideous. And I can't remember what the other episode is. I'm I'm shocked. I can't remember. But I bet we could find it on IMDb. Yes, I'm sure we could. <laughs> um, I was a featured extra in the show in the movie Cra- The Craft. So oh, around this time of year, I usually get about fifty cents or so, which is pretty <laughs> exciting. Nice. Yeah, I was just a regular old extra in Postcards from the Edge, so I don't see any sort of residual. Now that is one of my favorite movies. Oh, really? Although I've recently revisited it, and it was a little disappointing. But who? What scene were you in? Um, the I believe it is the car crash scene. So Shirley MacLaine okay. is driving a car, right? And I was standing. We filmed it at um, Connie Stevens' house, I think. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, wait, no, Connie Francis. Which one is related? Which one is related to Carrie Fisher? I think it's Connie Stevens. No, Carrie Fisher's real mom is De- was Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, yes. Eddie Fisher was her dad. Eddie Fisher. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Eddie Fisher married Connie Stevens, I believe, after Debbie Reynolds. So maybe that's her stepmom. Right. And so yeah. Carrie Fisher wrote the book. Yeah. I don't know. So somehow, for yeah. some reason, that's... Yes. Right. Um, so that's where it was filmed. I was standing on the corner... And you just see the car go by. And then there's like three people on the corner. But, you know, when you're an extra, you bring your own clothes. And (laughs) they put me in. So I and I'm embarrassed that I owned this. But, you know, did you own many uh, sets of guest jeans with the matching jacket? No, because my brother would have teased me mercilessly. Mercilessly. Yeah. Because I once had a yellow polo shirt and not a classic polo like a button-up polo shirt like buttoned up from the bottom i mean that sounds cool and i was a soch in his (laughs) words so i would never have bought guest jeans that would be way too like trendy right but yes there were kids in my school who had the jean the jeans and the jacket for sure so i had one it was white jeans and a white jacket with black polka dots all over it i mean i look like a cow it was (laughs) it was so ugly i cannot i cannot believe i chose that for myself but you thought it was the bomb I think so, but but for a brief amount of time. I also had an entire set in neon pink, and that I felt was pretty stylish for a, a lot longer. Wait, so, did, the, did the neon pink jacket also have polka dots? No, there oh, were no polka dots. That one was just neon straight pink up jeans, straight straight up okay. neon. Yeah, and then like a neon, uh, like a silky neon shirt. I mean, it was just a, I was like a walking a highlighter. Time. Yeah, it's yeah. Bad. But anyway, so they put me in the polka dot jeans and then this shirt I had from Fred Siegel. I, I am like the least fashionable person now. I, there's, I circle, I cycle between like four different things. Um, I am not a clothing person at all, but I think I was trying on that personality for a little while mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. And sure. so I asked my mom if we could go up to LA and go shopping. And I believe I got this shirt at Fred Siegel and it was, um, chambray. So like, like, Oh. denim and it had these big 
velvet stars on it, like two or like three. Like where or the breasts, breasts above were? the breasts. I know, okay. I know. I'm. I look like I'm holding. Yeah. I got to stop doing this with my hands again. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Allison Rosen to see me <laughs> feel myself up in the air. Yeah. So anyway, velvet star shirt and polka dot pants. Oh my god! Really blending into the background. <laughs> I'm gonna look this up now. This, you you might I'm be able. I mean, it's fast, but that with that outfit, I feel like you might be able to see me. That's amazing. I once went for a job interview at Fred Siegel. And the manager of the store was like best friends with my cousin, my older cousin, who is much cooler than I am. And so the this woman, this who was the friend of my cousin, was interviewing me for the job. And she was like, so like how many times would you say you've done cocaine? And I was That's like, in your interview? Yeah. <laughs> to work at Fred Siegel. Oh, my God. And I was like, what? And I was in my early 20s, like really early, maybe 19 even. I don't know. And I was like, what? She goes, well, I mean, you grew up in Los Angeles. And I was like, I've never done cocaine. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I think it was a mark against me because I didn't get the job. Right. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's Fred Siegel. $500 wow. for a t-shirt. Wow. And have you... How many times have you done cocaine? Uh, what, 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 what did you do in the craft? I was whispering girl. I actually did not wear my own clothes because it was a private school. So I got to wear um, every Jewish girl's dream. I got to wear a little Catholic school uh, <laughs> girl outfit. So that was exciting. I had, I think I had lines. Yes, I had lines in the script. But you literally just hear me whispering. You don't hear what I'm mm-hmm. saying. But it, Whispering Girl is the credit. So I guess I, I was cast. I read for it. It wasn't like I was an extra. Right. Was so an extra. that wasn't really an extra. That's not yeah, extra. I was an extra in that movie, um, High School High. With um, It was supposed to be like a Zucker Brothers. It may have been a Zucker Brothers movie, actually, mm-hmm. with um, John Lovitz. Don't oh, ask. Yeah. It was a nightmare. It I was They made me up to look like a chola. Uh, I guess they thought I looked Hispanic or something. Mm-hmm. So I ha- it was awful. It was just humiliating. I would not. Yeah, I didn't. I did not care for uh, extra work. <laughs> I'd rather work at the Gap, which is what I ended up doing. At the time, it was. I was like, "This is. I get to miss school and make a hundred dollars." Well, yeah. Were, <laughs> was I mean, great. I was an adult when I did. Right. I just like I said, I looked younger. So I. I mean, I had a job, like mm-hmm. a real person job, that I left to do this. So it. It wasn't. You know. Yes. It's a good way to make a little money when you first start, but I'd already been like on television shows. So I was like, right. this is just too so much like for my ego. I can't take down. This. Yeah. yeah. So at some point you switched your focus from acting to writing. Yes. Yeah. So I, I auditioned for um, the theater program at NYU and I didn't get in, which I was a little bit surprised at because I, I did really, I did rather well in my, um, I thought I did in my theater department at, in high school. So I didn't get in. So I was a little lost. I still went to NYU. And I always knew I wanted to write. And really, I always knew I wanted to do stand-up. I was into stand-up from an early age. And I just didn't know really how to go about it. So I couldn't get any writing classes my first year in college, which I guess is just normal. But I didn't know that. And I found mm-hmm. that very um, off-putting. Like, anyway, I didn't end up going back to college. I only did one year, which is a huge regret. But in any case, I thought I'm going to be a stand-up comic. 
So the truth is I just really didn't go about it the right way. And first of all, I started in Los Angeles, which everyone tells you don't do that. Because, because all eyes are on you too much. Yeah, here. you're judged mm-hmm. immediately. You don't have time to like ripen and there aren't really enough places to go. And I just, I wasn't ambitious enough mm-hmm. in it. I didn't, I thought I was trying, but I wasn't trying hard enough, I think. And so I started to try to write. I mean, I always, I was always a writer. I mean, I always did stuff and I always enjoyed writing. And I kept trying to get writer's assistant jobs. And I swear to God, they're as hard to get as writing jobs. They're really, Mm. really hard to get. Um, I don't know how it works now, but when I was trying, it was really hard. And then um, an ex-boyfriend of mine was going to be the head writer on a new animated show. And he said, do you want to be the writer's assistant? I was like, yes, of course. So I joined that show. It's called Invader Zim. And it became a cult hit. Um, And I wrote several episodes and <laughs> there's a pattern in my life where this happens. And it happened in this case where I was told, you know, if we get picked up for next season, you're going to be a staff writer. And I was like, oh, that's all I want. I just want to be a staff writer on a show. And 9-11 happened and the show was canceled because it was too dark. Mm. And so I didn't get that opportunity. So, um, but, you know, it's a, I've done a lot of animation since. So it's, it, you know, it was definitely helpful and uh, it was it was really fun. And so, yeah. According to IMDb, you wrote an episode of Abby Hatcher, which did you? Because okay. my son was super into that show for a period of time. So I did. I Does it actually give me a credit? I believe. Yeah. Um, I was in on the that's weird because I was in on the like development stages, but I didn't go beyond that. So I'm not mm. sure. I thought like. Maybe I did I did write an episode, but I didn't think they used it. So I'm a little confused about that. Well, I believe it's on IMDb. Okay, well it's, let's it's let me have story, it. It's story by. That's what it is. Thing. Okay, that's what it is. It's story by. Yeah, but I I don't know if your kids ever watched Word Girl. I wrote a few of those. That was a really fun for anyone with little kids. I recommend that show. It's I gotta check really, that one out. It's really good. Donna Furman does the lead voice, and then Maria Bamford does a voice, and um, all sorts of people. And that that's really fun for little kids because it's actually funny. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, ooh, adult, dirty, funny. It's just funny. It's just it's just a sweet show. Um, so yeah, I've done a lot of animation. And so it all worked out, I think, how it's supposed to. Like I I do miss stand-up sometimes. I wish like, oh, I just wish I could go back and like make a better go of it mm-hmm. or start somewhere else or something. But um, yeah. Do you feel like yeah. you couldn't do it now? Well, when my son was born is when I really stopped because I was like, I don't really want to go out at night. And um, I mean, I really respect women who still do it, but I wasn't far enough along in a career to make that worth it. It would have still been like, I'm going out to open mics while I have a baby at home. It didn't Mm -hmm. really make sense. Um, And I've, I've, um, I've tried to go back, you know, once or twice and it's fun and I enjoy it, but no, I I wouldn't feel like and, – and I'm not saying I never would do it again. I, I definitely would. But like I said, I was never an established enough comic that it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to dust it off and, you know, hop back on after some hiatus or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you do stand-up, Allison? I'm not – No. I mean, I did for like half a minute when I lived in New York. And, oh, okay. Um, Another I, hard place to start, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. I just – um. I didn't 
the last time I did it, I remember looking at my watch and thinking, okay, by this time, this will be over. And I can't wait to get to that point. Mm. And I thought, this is maybe not for me. Right. If I can't wait to not be have to do it. (laughs) Was it because of the stress? Yeah, it was. You know, it was it was so like uh, other comedians would laugh that I even am calling that stand up, even though I like it. It was, but it was so early in the process that I was just nervous about remembering all my material. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I just, uh, I really like doing live television. That format felt good. And I like doing podcasting. Um, standing on stage is just not my favorite thing in a club. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I've done tons of live podcasts and I enjoy it, but it doesn't, it's not my I don't know. It's just not like I feel like how I imagine Jimmy feels when he stands on stage. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever felt that. Maybe a tiny okay. bit at the beginning. And yeah. that's what made me do it the second time. But. Right, 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 right. Well, having control of a room is pretty intoxicating. But yeah, it's hard to get there. And it's, I, I certainly didn't achieve it enough times, you know, mm-hmm. as much as I would have liked to. But um, but yeah, I mean, I was an actor. And so that's – and also <sighs> – I, this is sort of related, but I was talking to someone the other day who's my friend of mine who's a writer, and she was saying that she was working on the show and none of the younger people were pitching anything. And I was like, see, that's where it helps to have a performance background because you can't be shy in a writing room. You got to yeah. like, you got to open up your mouth and talk. Even if the idea is shitty, you got to say something. Mm-hmm. So I've never had a problem with that. Like, I've never been, oh, I can't, I can't pitch my idea, you know. So, it, it's definitely helpful to have that background, I think. Right. Um, did you, that that feeling of control of a room, you did experience that quite a bit though? I don't know if I experienced it quite a bit. I experienced it enough that I wanted to do it more. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, so, it's, it's a weird thing to get up by yourself and think, and be arrogant enough to think I can make this room laugh. Yeah. And then do it. You know, that's, it's weird. I have <laughs> had, weird. I've had, now that I think about it, like I've definitely had moments where I had tons of moments on the Adam Carolla show where mm-hmm. it, it felt like, oh, my God, like they are just eating up everything we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I experienced it sort of uh, in that way. But that they were responding to things I was saying, but that was not that was not like my show. And then right. when I've done my own show, I've definitely had. Moments here or there where I it is like a very responsive audience and it feels really good and I get a taste of it, but mm-hmm. I haven't experienced it, I don't think, in the same way that a stand-up has. It's like it's, that's like a different skill set, yeah. I think, than I have. So how probably. would you how would you feel if you're doing a radio show, you mean the other people in the studio? Like how are you feeling that the reaction? Oh no, I'm ta- I'm sorry, I'm talking about the reaction I was just talking about. Wait, if I'm understanding your... You said that when you were on Corolla, you would have moments where you felt oh, like... Oh, yeah, because we did got... a lot of live podcasts. Oh, you did. Like, okay, we okay. we would tour, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that. Another, yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> um, Yeah, and then with my own show, I mean, the time... What I was talking about is, like, doing my own podcast in a theater or doing right. it live or something like that. Yeah, oh, I would love to do that. See, I think I would find that really fun because... See, you guys should do your... You should do some live live performances of yeah. uh, How to Survive then. We're, we're a baby show, hopefully in the future, definitely. We're building up an audience and, you know, it's 
Um, how long have, how long have you been doing your show? The show? Oh my god, a thousand years! But actually, since 2012. Okay, so you have got it down. Like, yeah, we're just you know, <laughs> I mean, we've only aired five episodes, and we're just you know figuring it out and stuff. Right. But, but people seem to be enjoying it, and it's really nice. You know, it's it's neat. Let's take another <laughs> quick break, uh, and then I want to find out how you met Jimmy. I want to tell you guys about the ring alarm. I am super duper happy with our ring alarm. When we moved into this house, we wanted to get some kind of alarm system. Daniel especially wanted to get one. We looked around at the various ones. I didn't want to have to sign up. I didn't want to enter into some impossible to leave arrangement with a company that and then we'd be dependent on them for everything and they would have to come out and set it up. And I just kept hearing these horror stories. And then I learned that Ring, a company that I was already familiar with because we have the Ring doorbell. You probably have a Ring. I feel like everyone at this point has a Ring doorbell. Uh, and I can't imagine life without it. So this company that I was already very into, I found out that they have a Ring alarm. And it's a game changer. We went out. We uh, bought it, brought it home. Daniel got it set up in minutes. It's very easy. You place the sensors where you want them. Um, and then shortly after that, we took a vacation and just had such peace of mind knowing our home was protected and we could monitor it from far away. Um, it's great. And it works seamlessly with other ring products. You don't need to have other ring products, but if you do, it does work seamlessly with them. Um, and I love my ring alarm system because it makes my family and I feel safe while we're at home. Uh, you can protect your whole home with the ring alarm, powerful, affordable. You can easily install it yourself. It's more than just security. It protects your home from flood, freeze, and fire too. Do you know how much more you are paying for the same thing with another company? It's literally the same professional monitoring you get from more expensive companies. The only difference is setting up the sensors. Why would you pay a big time sus- subscription fee for that? For one month, you could get an entire year of ring and you are getting the same protection. This holiday season, in. Deck the halls, walls, and doors and windows with the best deals of the year on the award-winning Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com forward slash best friend to get a great deal on a Ring Alarm security kit today. That's ring.com forward slash best friend. I also want to tell you guys about Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. Pack your bag for the trip of a lifetime in the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, streaming only on Peacock. This new original exclusive is the Real Housewives crossover that fans have been asking for. Finally, you can see seven iconic housewives from four different cities together in one place, including Cynthia Bailey and Kenya Moore from Atlanta, Kyle Richards from Beverly Hills, Teresa Giudice and Melissa Gorgia from New Jersey, and Ramona Singer and Luann from New York City with a crew like that what could possibly go wrong as any Real Housewives fan knows the girls trips are legendary watch these housewives enter into uncharted territory as they vacation poolside in their stunning Turks and Caicos villa this trip will not disappoint see this exclusive crossover event now and watch new episodes every Thursday plus stream more of your reality favorites on Peacock including all past seasons of the Real Housewives hit movies and shows exclusive originals live sports news and more go to peacocktv.com to sign up okay so i know that i've heard the story from jimmy but uh from you how did you guys meet well there's a couple of different versions that's why you may hear a different version <laughs> I th- yeah um we have the same representation which is the grossest most la <laughs> thing ever and um 
I had been okay. The story he probably told was that I had been dating a friend of his, mm-hmm. and I walked into a party with this guy, and Jimmy saw me and said to his friend, a different friend, "He's going to marry that girl," which is insane and ridiculous. <laughs> And because you're a classic beauty, <laughs> right? Exactly, and and he did, but um, <laughs> the way I remember it was a, a while after that. I was inviting people to a different friend's birthday party. I was calling up everyone, and I called him up. Mm-hmm. He was on the list, and I called him up to invite him, and we got to talking that way. And that was sort of how I remember us, you know, connecting. And then we went on a date, and then you know. A gajillion years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> was your relationship with him different than relationships that had come before it? A hundred percent, yeah. Um, I hadn't really had that many relationships. Um, I was a very late bloomer, as per what I was saying earlier. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he admitted I was his girlfriend. <laughs> so that was one thing. <laughs> that was one difference from the other guys. Um, I wasn't being sneaked around. Um, so, yeah, we were just very – and I remember on our first date, I said something about, like, I don't date more than one person at once. Like, I don't understand that. And he was like, oh, my God, where did you come from? Because he felt the same way. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I grew up on watching, you know – you know, three's company or something. It's like, well, I have a date with Harry on Friday and Sam on Saturday. And I was like, do people really do? And I still don't understand if people do that, but it was never in my DNA to do that. I thought that was really weird. Um, I mean, it's hard to find one person you like enough to date much less more than one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we just connected and, you know, I mean, yeah, we come from very different places and our sense of humor is actually not completely the same. And we do very different things, which I think makes it better because he's much more a performer and I'm much more a writer. So there's no – because people are always like, oh, are you competitive? But we're really not because we're not really doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So – and we help each other with stuff. So what does he make of your feelings about yourself? He hates it. He hates when I say – Ugh, I feel fat or um, I don't look good. Like he gets kind of upset about it, which is very sweet. But, you know, after you've been married for a long time, of course that person's opinion matters, but it's still like, well, you're competing with X many years of <laughs> my own, you know, my own inner monologue. So get in line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, But <laughs> it's not like I always feel horrible about myself. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not quite that, but it's, you know, I just grew grew up. All my friends were always better looking and always had boyfriends. So it's it's hard to grow out of that mentality. I mean, it's just it's just you know. Again, I eventually got my confidence, but it doesn't mean I don't still in my inner core mm-hmm. still feel that way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's not a fan. He does not like that at all. Right. <laughs> well, I imagine it must be hard. I mean, like, he probably thinks you're the most beautiful, you yeah, know, woman in the that. whole world. So it's right. so to hear you say negative things about yourself is probably like hurts his heart. Yeah, it does. I agree. It does. Um, Yeah, I get that. I, I I also, I think that Daniel also sort of doesn't know, doesn't know how to help me in those moments, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not looking for help. Right. But men want to fix, which I get, you know, I get it for sure. 
How Regarding long have you the, guys been married? Oh, sorry. Um, we got married in 2014. Okay. So seven years of marriage, and then we've been together 10 years. Okay. And you got two, you got a two and a four. A two and a four. Oh, that's so sweet. Do they get along? They do, but it's only, it's pretty recent. Now they're starting to play, and it is so sweet. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So cute. I never boys. understood when my sister and I would be sweet to each other. My mom would come in and she'd be like, John, John, look. <laughs> and I'm like, what is the big deal? You know, but now I get it 100%. Like, Aww. I have never caught them hugging each other, but if I were to see that, I would like, it would just, just burst melt to a million pieces. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. For the longest time, they did. They didn't. They weren't at each other's throats or anything. But um, Owen kind of likes to needle Elliot, so he'll come up and like touch Elliot or you know do something <laughs> like put lay his head down too close, and Elliot will be like, "No, I don't." You know. And the more Elliot does that, then the more Owen wants to do it, and then I feel like you know. And then Elliot will like kind of get kick. Now, he won't kick Owen, but he'll like he'll come very close, and then I. I get involved. Yeah. But I feel like I shouldn't and it's a whole thing. But just lately they've they've really started playing together so it's really oh, sweet. Oh, that's sweet. That's yeah. good. But what I was going to say is regarding the dating multiple people thing. Yes. I don't know if this is how it was for you but I feel like there was a period of time where the advice to women was you should always be dating multiple guys because then you won't get overly hung up on any one of them until that guy has like proven himself. So and there's this woman oh, who wrote interesting. a Yeah, there's this woman, Pat Allen. I think she's probably awful, but she wrote this book, <laughs> Getting to I Do. And it's I mean <laughs> it's, it's an atrocious <laughs> Yeah. It's an atrocious name. And she also would hold these workshops. I never saw, oh my God, I just remembered. My friends and I had this like semi-joking thing with, like, you know, WWPAD. What would Pat Allen do? Uh, um, but a couple of my friends had gone to one of her workshops and so had passed along to me this advice of like date multiple guys because then you don't get too huh. hung up on any one of them. So a couple times I tried it and I, it just, I should have been a part of the conversation between you and Jimmy of I don't date multiple people. Where'd you come from? And I would be like, I'm, I'm, a, I want to be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> me too. It never worked it for didn't me. It work. Yeah. No, because within, you know, 10 minutes, I would realize, well, I actually kind of really like this one and I don't, I'm not right. as into that one. So then I would feel, uh, really disingenuous still going yeah. on a date with the one I didn't really like and I felt almost like and I wasn't sleeping with them but I felt like I was whoring myself out in a way it was just very uncomfortable yeah so the one time I sort of came close to that I was dating this guy who I really liked I just I was attracted to this other guy yeah and I I did I said like we can see other people right it was awful I can't believe I said that but oh, you're wincing <laughs> I'm wincing because it feels so gross and so I ended up seeing this other guy who he knew and he this first guy who I said that to uh saw us saw mm. us out on a date oh which I only found out through a third party right so I felt like trash I felt like absolute garbage because I was always a person who was like really honest and like I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I guess that was my way of not hurting his feelings was just it, anyway so yeah it just seems like a recipe for disaster especially if you're like prone to feeling guilty as I am. Yes, same. See, it's I feel like, like a Pat, recipe for disaster. Pat Allen, and I don't want to put words in her mouth. 
I have no but idea what this, she even looks did like. Did she write this in the 50s, though? Because it sounds very... <laughs> no. no. I mean, it sounds antiquated. Yes. But she would say, well, there's you have nothing to feel guilty. I imagine she would say, you okay. have nothing to feel guilty about because he hasn't put a ring on it yet. So blah, 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 blah. It's fine <laughs> for you to date other people. It's just not realistic if you're a person who like cares about people's feelings. Yes. Tony, can you date a whole stable of women? No, I also can't <laughs> handle it. The closest I've come is like, like meeting, you know, like a, a a first date of just like kind of meeting somebody that I met on a dating app or something. Like there was like a week where I did that, like with two different people in one week, and even that I felt weird about. Yeah, yeah. And did you keep seeing either of them? No. Okay. Are you with someone now? No. Okay. Ladies, well, I suggest. I suggest- you know, laying your seat all over the place. So you don't also like the whole idea is to get attached to someone. So it's such a strange thing. Like date more than one person so you don't get too attached to them. Well, I think Isn't that the, the I, ultimate goal. I mean, I think and this is sort of it's not the most charitable view of women, although arguably was realistic for me at that time. The idea being that I'm overgeneralizing, but you know, women have a tendency to get too invested in something too 100%. early and that, that can yes. like scare a guy off. Okay. Here's right. the book getting to, I do. Oh, I'm sorry. This book is by Sandra Harmon. So I don't know. So who's Pat you, Allen? What's going on? I know that Pat Allen, that's a friend of your mom. So you just have in your <laughs> Tony, you will Pat you look Allen. up Pat Allen? I'm, I'm oh, wait, no, wait, what is going on? Okay. This says Getting to I Do, book by Sandra Harmon, and then... As told to Pat Allen. Dr. Patricia Allen's jam-packed seminars in Los Angeles have resulted in over 2,000 marriages. I'm trying to... I just clicked into it, so now I'm waiting for it to pull this up. Tony, if you come up with something faster. Yeah, I'm literally seeing the same thing you are. Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's weird, because like if you type in Pat Allen, automatically Getting to I Do comes up. I think okay, it's, so it's her words put into a book form by this other interloper. Maybe. That sounds about right. I can't tell wh- why Sandra Harmon is in here because it does seem to be, and I'm also trying to see the cover, but it's... Okay, on, on another website, it's it literally credits both of them. It says, by Patricia Allen Got and it. Sandra Harmon. Does it say what year it came out? Uh, I'm trying to find that as 1995. well. 1995. <sighs> Or 1994, actually. See, and it so it was after that book, The Rules. Here, okay, here's the rest of the little blurb. Dr. Patricia Allen's jam-packed seminars in Los Angeles have resulted in over 2,000 marriages. Now you too can take advantage of this proven step-by-step program. That's wild. Yeah. That's so old-fashioned. Yes. Do you I remember just... that book, The Rules? Did you ever have that time-tested? Oh, you might. You were probably already with Jimmy at this point. Time-tested secrets it, for, but I don't know what it is. Time-tested secrets for capturing the heart of Mister Right. My grandmother sent me this book, and it messed with my head <laughs> so much. Oh, no, what does it say? <laughs> well, so you are a creature unlike any other, and there's a set of rules for capturing the heart of Mister Right. You never accept a weekend date after Wednesday. So if he calls you Thursday, Friday. Uh, you're not going out with him. You set an egg timer by the phone and you get off, you know, oh, it's always leave him wanting more. It's basically okay. like a, a, you know, a, a guidebook to manipulation. But you, How to yeah, <laughs> right. Easy steps. If he doesn't give you a romantic gift 
by however many months for like a holiday, however many months in, then you break it off. It's just all these, my, my feeling about that book was it could prolong a relationship with the wrong person, but it's not going to like all those steps. Like if you, if you play all those, because you're, you're never going to really have a chance to tell whether you like this person or not, because the whole thing is just plain hard to get. So I don't think it would work with, with, if, if you're living in not the 1950s or 60s right. and you're applying these rules, certainly the man doesn't know these rules exist because this is not a general way people behave. So you right. know that you're doing something wrong. Right. I mean, well, the, I, the whole asking someone out, I get the general idea. It's yeah. like, you know, be more considerate. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, like, yeah, that's not the way life works anymore. I mean, I guess the idea is if he asks you out on Thursday and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm already booked, then he might, you know, ask you out earlier next time. Right. And if you're always getting off the phone and you're always ending the date first and you're always, always, you know, he's just going to be driven mad with desire and he'll have to lock it down. But then my, my favorite is like there's an appendix and it's like, the rules for after marriage. I'm like, oh, but you've got to be kidding me. Oh, God, no. When are you ever yourself? Wow, that's <laughs> exhausting. It sounds, I know. That is exhausting. I wonder what it's, I wonder what it's like. Then you'll find out before I do since you have a, a kid who's older. Like, I wonder what dating is like now. Yeah, he's not doing that yet. Um, but I know a couple of his, like a female friend of his is, has a boyfriend mm-hmm. for the first time. And I was asking the mom, because we've no, I mean, they've been in school together since they were in kindergarten, literally. And I was like, "So, what is that like?" And she's like, "It's okay. They don't. They just hold hands. They don't do anything." And I was like, "Okay, all right. So that's cool." And that's yeah, sweet. so, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But none of his close friends have have a girlfriend or boyfriend. So mm-hmm. yeah. Oh boy. But yeah, I guess I will find out. Yeah. <laughs> So let's do a round of Just Me or Everyone. Uh, and uh, there's a little song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, so this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And we weigh in. If you would like to to submit one, please tweet it to A-R-I-Y-N, so at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, that stands for Allison Rosen, is your new best friend, uh, and use the hashtag J-M-O-E, just me or everyone, and we will discuss them on the show. But first of all, Danielle, do you have one of your own? Yes, but first I want to comment on your song, which I think oh, is fantastic. Thank you. Is was the directive make this sound like a Miller Boyette sitcom opening theme? Because that is what it sounds like, hundred percent. Wait, are you talking about my my opening theme song or what no, you just heard? This theme song. Is I think all weird? of them. Yeah, all all yeah. of my songs uh, kind of have I mean, it's, that. It's vibe. right out of Perfect Strangers. Yes. Or yeah. I never had that Full thought House. before, but as soon as you said right? it, right, yeah, Tony, you're, you're totally a music right. guy. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So my is it just me or everyone is. <laughs> So I have a 14 year old and I, like I said, I'm a single, I mean, a mom of, not a single mom, a mom of a, of one kid. And I find myself looking at pictures of him when he was little and then feeling guilty, like I'm cheating on him with a younger version of himself <laughs> because I miss the youngness so much. I mean, he's a great kid. He's not like a typical bratty teenager or anything like that. He's the sweetest. 
but I miss like the snuggling and the cuddling and the, and the running around being crazy. And the, you know, I just, I just adore him so much and I feel built bad. Like I don't want him to catch me looking at old pictures. <laughs> Cause I think, he, I think he's like, she says, I'm right here. <laughs> you know? like, God, the kid's still here. So I don't know if anyone does that. I oh mean, my you gosh. Yeah. Because your kids are still itty bitties. No, yeah. I mean, it's funny when you first said it, I, I thought, no, I don't do that. But I have had moments of feeling guilty looking at Elliot just from pictures at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, like, mm. you know, they change so quickly. Mm-hmm. And because he's almost five now, he'll be five in February. So he, he really is like a little boy now. He's not a baby. He's not a toddler. But I'll look at pictures from, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, and, I, and I'll see the babiness in his face. Yes. And I'm like, oh, and I, and I feel sad <clears throat> that that he's still super, you know, the cutest, right. but I'll feel sad that that yes. little guy's not here anymore. And then I feel guilty because I feel like it suggests that I'm not like appreciating this, you know, iteration of exactly. him. Exactly. Now, is he, so he's not in kindergarten yet? No, he's in pre-K. So he'll so, start in September. Right. So one of the biggest changes I remember at the time, the from the beginning of kindergarten to the end of kindergarten was a huge difference. To me, I was like, oh, he's a person now. Right. So that's when it hit me. I mean, he turns like he's he turns he's young for his grade. So mm-hmm. he always turns that age like right as school is starting. But I just remember like, oh, this is a big difference. And not wow. bad, but just right. like, oh, he's a person. He's got like a personality and he's just, he's not a little, he's not a toddler. Yeah. yeah. I always have this sort of vision of the two of them coming home from college and sitting around the table oh. with their like adult bodies and just being like, yeah, mom. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I cannot, it's, or even older than college, like when they're men. And I just, uh-huh. I cannot, I cannot imagine that. It, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. hard to imagine. I know. I know. I remember when... Oliver was a baby in his crib and I would be in the other room and I would picture, oh my, I'm like, someday he's going to just walk out of his room and be like, hey, mom. I remember as a baby, I was like, mm-hmm. that's so weird. He's going to like be able to walk on his own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And make his own decisions and enter the room when he wants to. <laughs> like, Right. And yeah. then, I, yeah. And then also thinking like someday they're going to talk. They're going to yeah. have little voices and thoughts and it's real crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a trip. Uh, okay. Chode to Joy says... I have no evidence to prove this, but Tuesday feels like the rainiest day of the week. Just me or everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have all sorts of thoughts like this, but I've never specifically assigned a day of the week to be the rainiest. No, no, I don't know where that person lives. Of course, in, in Los Angeles, we have very few rainy days, but I totally know what I, I get. I get what this person means. Yeah, I've not thought yeah. this, but I get what this person means. How do you feel about rain? So I love it because probably because it's infrequent. I mean, I'm I'm always cold. I'm a person who's always cold and I love the sun. Like my favorite thing is to go outside and read in the sun and just like have the sun directly beating on me is my mm-hmm. favorite thing. However, I do like a change of pace. And when the pandemic first started and we had to be inside, I don't know if you remember, it was very, it was unusually rainy mm-hmm. and I didn't feel upset like everyone i was just like oh this is great like you're not you don't have to do anything when it rains you're allowed to have the day off and you just stay home and get you know snuggly so <laughs> i'm really into snuggly so i find it um i find it you know a nice respite mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to live in it i wouldn't want to live in seattle probably but right. i like it every once in a while 
Let's talk about snuggling. Um, <laughs> do you typically have a, are you like a snuggle on the couch person? Do you have a chair? Do you have a blanket? What's your, what's your snuggle environment? You mean by myself? Yeah. If you're getting cozy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually we have like one of those chair and a half things. Oh yeah. So I'll be in that or the couch. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, we got like a, you know, like a chair that folds out. A recliner. Like not a Barca lounger, like a nice version, mm-hmm. of, you know, like a Barca lounger. And I was like, this is perfect. I'm just going to, because I started reading a lot, especially during the pandemic. This is perfect. I'm going to be in the front room where the sun is. I'm going to, and it but hurts like a motherfucker. It hurts so badly. And I <laughs> oh, tried no. to exchange it and they wouldn't take it back. Oh no. So it's awful. And it's just, I like the way it looks, but I can't sit on it. It's awful. Do I dare ask where it's from? Yeah, it's from, what's, uh, Bob's? Is that what it's called? Oh, Bob's, Bob's furniture? Discount Furniture? Yeah. No, wait, is it from there? Oh, it's from the place with the song. Where is it from? No, it's not Living Bob's. Spaces? Living Spaces. <laughs> That's exactly where it's from. It's from Living Spaces. Yeah. Tony, you can play it. Tony Thaxton. <laughs> no. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. <laughs> Who they wouldn't take that? it back? Uh, that's ja- that's Jackie Johnson, and I forget why we were singing things it, to the tune of "Living Spaces." That's I amazing. Don't re- yeah, I don't remember how that actually started either. No, they yeah. want to take it back, so we're stuck with it. And again, I really like how it looks. And every once in a while, I'm like, I'll just try it one more. No, Al Payne. Yeah, my Perfect. mother-in-law purchased a sofa online, and I oh, that's a risky move. I know, but she's happy with it. I'm like, how? Oh. It's from like. Not Wayfair. I think it's from like Joss and Maine or something. I wish I could be the kind of person who just saw something like the way it looked and then liked it in person. But I, I mean, belabored when I lived in New York and I bought a, a couch. I must have gone and sat on I, I and I dragged a friend with me. I feel like I oh. owe her an email apology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really made a meal out of choosing which couch I wanted. Well, I mean, for a couch, you have to be comfortable yeah. on it. It's not just an aesthetic thing. You really have to be comfortable. So I get that. Exactly. Yeah. Does Oliver like this chair or Jimmy? Oliver sits on it to like put his shoes on, I think. And no one really sits in it. It's just kind of decorative at this point. Mm. And it's a bummer because, like I said, it's just really hard for me to get comfortable mm-hmm. in general. That's probably just my own thing. But it's it's hard for me to get comfortable. So I kind of like fold myself up a lot. Like, you know, I'm in the movie theater with my knees, like, like my feet up on the <laughs> Yeah. Seat. I'm just weird. Uh, I don't think it's that weird. Beck says, I'm slightly bothered that the biopic about Venus and Serena Williams is titled King Richard TF. And that stands for the fuck. I didn't know this. Well, isn't it? It's isn't primarily about the dad and his sort of influence on them. I mean, is his name Richard? I'm assuming his name is Richard. Tony, we're going to need some fiery fingers here. I that, literally heard about this movie for the first time earlier today. Listening oh, to really? Never Not Funny, actually. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know anything about it. But I do know that you and your co-host had a debate over bi- biopic or biopic. I think it's biopic. It's biopic. Biopic yeah. is weird. Yeah. I know people say it, but I just think they're wrong. I do, biopic. too. Biopic. Sounds like myopic. That's what I said. But, I mean, it does make more sense because it's a biography. Right. It's a bi- but it's a bio. It's a bio. Picture. Picture. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think. I don't so know. Does it does this person say why it bothers them that it's called King Richard? Only because something already exists that's called King Richard? Or I'm assuming it bothers her slow slightly bothered. I'm assuming it She's slightly bothered because it's about Venus and Serena Williams. So why are we naming it? Because I Richard? think it's about. I really think it's about their dad. Yeah, I think it's about his relationship with them, which is funny because the the preview makes it look like it's all great, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wasn't he like a real hard ass? I don't know anything about this yeah. movie or him. I thought he was kind of like Tiger's dad, but maybe I'm. I mean, I think you have to be honestly. I think you. I, I mean, I'm not saying you have to be, but I think that's what makes, unfortunately, I think that's what makes a, a champion athlete right. is that they're really run through the ringer. I don't think you, right. I don't know. Tony, the, what have you found? The one sentence IMDB description says, a look at how tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams became who they are after the coaching from their father, Richard Williams. There you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I think it's, yeah. Uh. Okay. Katie Craven says, that's a cool last name, yeah. if that's her real last name. I feel like it's an insult when there are people playing instruments on TV that do not match the audio whatsoever. There is no flute in grazing in the grass. Uh, Tony, <laughs> do, you must notice stuff like this. Oh, yeah. It drives me insane. It's more so, I feel like I don't necessarily notice the wrong instruments all that often, but the like bad fake playing yes. drives me nuts. The I'll worst fake that. guitar playing of all time is... Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips in La Bamba. La Bamba. Really? Oh, he's so oh. bad. He's so bad. Oh. Like That's what, what I kind love about- Like is it like off like out of time or just like like you what can kind tell of he just has no idea how to play guitar. <laughs> and so his his hands are just doing crazy you things. You think and- someone would have you know, yeah. like gone in there and made him be able to, you know, t- taught him how to fake it. I know. That's what I love about that thing you do. Uh, that thing you do, they made all those guys actually learn how to play really? all of those songs. Yeah. So That's like everything you see in that movie, they are playing correctly. I remember um, hearing, or I don't know what the context was, but uh, David Cassidy was talking about when they were first making The Partridge Family and how Danny, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Bonaducci. Bonaducci. Danny, thank you, Danny Bonaducci. Well, he was just a kid, but he didn't know what he was doing and he was supposed to play the bass and he was strumming it. <laughs> David Crosby was so, I mean, David Crosby, David, um, you know, David Cassidy, Cassidy was so mad because he actually was a musician and he was like always resentful that, you know, the music was so <laughs> saccharine. But I actually love, I actually love the Partridge Family music. I think it's great. Do you and Jimmy share musical taste? <laughs> um, if you look behind you, the answer is no. Um, b- behind me, rather. He's just he's just stuck in the eighties, and I just there are certain songs he likes that I just never need to hear again. I mean, there's some overlap, but like I like a lot of stuff from the nineties. He doesn't like anything like that. I guess we we agree on like you know like classic rock stuff, older mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, it's kind of few and far between. He's just he's just really into what he's into. And you know, I like Chicago, but I just don't need to hear those songs ever again. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's just it it just so Jimmy's favorite, my husband's favorite band is Chicago, and he will still put on the same album that he's listened to for 50 years. And I'm like, I just don't I can't comprehend how you can still listen to this as if like I understand if it's on the radio, but you're putting it on. You're putting it on. You need to listen. You need to hear it again. It's just 
it just I'm also not as much of a music person as he is. So mm-hmm. to be fair, you know, I like what I like, but I'm not like I was never a kid who was like obsessed with bands and reading the backs of, you know, or reading the liner notes and stuff like that. I just right. wasn't that kid. And do you share his love of musicals? Yes, although we like different kinds of musicals. Okay. Because I if there's no dancing in the musical, I don't really have a lot of use for it. Mm-hmm. So something like, oh, what is he like? Well, he likes, oh, like he likes Jesus Christ Superstar. I hate it with a red hot passion. I can't stand it. It does nothing for me. Um, I mean, we both like Hamilton, but like my favorite musical is, well, movie musical is Singing in the Rain because mm-hmm. there's amazing dancing in it and charismatic actors and singing and it's fun. And and also West Side Story because, again, it has all those things. I mean, the singing is, you know, not the actor singing, but mm-hmm. the the dancing is just like unbelievable and the choreography is unbelievable. So I'm much more interested in, you know, if it doesn't have dancing, I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> How do you, f- so like where, where do you come down with Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I'm really not. I like Evita. And yes. One of my favorites. I think there's one other one I like that I can't think of, but I hate Phantom. Oh, that's not him. Sorry. No, what it I is him. Hate? Oh, it is it him. Is him. Okay, yeah. I hate Phantom. That's right. I hate Phantom. Cats obviously is, you know, catchy tunes, but it's ridiculous. Um, I did it in fourth grade. Um, you did? My mom went to see it in England, and my mom was the head of our theater department in grade school. It wasn't really a theater department, but, you know, the plays. Mm-hmm. So we did, uh, yeah, we did excerpts from Cats. Um, and what else has he done? I'll tell you if I like Sunset it. Boulevard. <laughs> I don't know the music from that. I remember liking the show, I think, but I don't really know the music very well. Starlight Express. I saw that in England when I was a kid. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. It's it's absolutely insane. It's I, crazy. I saw it too, and I really have like no memory of it. You don't remember the roller skating? I mean, very vaguely, but I, I have I have a memory of it, but I don't have any memory of the story. I think I was too oh, young. Oh, that's because there's no story. And there's also really there's no, no story. Yeah, I don't think there is a story. Yeah. And then... I forget if I ever talked with Jimmy about this. Did you see Love Never Dies, the sequel to Phantom? It was so oh god awful. I didn't. I did, just, I, maybe, but I didn't. I, I hope this doesn't come between us. I love Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, I wasn't, I love the music. I did see it at the Pantages a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, I had never realized the way it's staged. I see what you're saying. Like, there's not a ton of dancing. No. It's mostly just like people it, standing there singing and then there's loud singing. Yeah. some, <laughs> some, <laughs> you know, acting out the story. But yeah. I do, but it is one of my faves. And I'm just a big, I just love Andrew Lloyd Webber. Wow. So it was, it's hard for me to admit. Love yeah. Never Dies, sequel to Phantom of the Opera, when the action moves from Paris to Coney Island, was Wait, really, <laughs> really bad. Why? It, was, it was really does, bad. Does he take a series of underground tunnels to Coney Island? No, he comes to Coney Island because Christine Daye, Raoul, and her son. Um, oh, no. Why? Why does he? Why is he there? I don't know. I, I can't. That's how much the story like is sort of forgettable. I can't remember why he's now there, but he lures her there. <laughs> the is there mu- a tunnel of love? Um, I don't even think there's a tunnel. Oh, it's, a, sure. and it's an entirely above ground abomination. Um, but the music is actually very pretty and good. Okay. But the, the plot is just, it just needs a redo. 
It's weird to write a sequel to a musical. It's very yeah. strange choice. Seems a little bit like a cash grab. Yeah. But I'm I'm there with ready to hand over my yeah. money. Again, the mu- but, if you like Andrew Lloyd Webber's stuff, uh, yeah. the music, and I, and I know that you don't, but the music is good. It holds up. Yeah. Story, terrible. But Forgettable. see, I think Evita is like, it's all great songs. So yes. I, don't, I don't know. I don't I have love like Evita. a... I don't hate him. I just, it's not my thing. I'm more old school. I'm more, you know, Kander and Ebb and, you know, I'm like old school, old fashioned music. Cabaret. Cabaret is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cabaret is really good. I saw, um, when I was pregnant, actually, we were in London and I saw Cabaret. It was, it was a, a little different than the movie. I can't remember. I, I wasn't really sure, like, what am I supposed to be feeling during this? But all mm-hmm. the songs are great. And obviously the choreography in the movie is Bob Fosse. It's like great. And, you know, so yeah, I need to, I haven't seen the movie. I saw it. I saw it in New York. Um, and I remember feeling kind of neutral about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I just wasn't in the right headspace to be seeing it at that time. It's a weird show. I yeah. Mean, that's, it's like dark. Said, that's how I felt. In, yeah. That's how I felt in, I mean, it's very dark. Like I like it. It's very dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty. It's pretty much a downer. But yeah, it's, still, it's <laughs> right. some good music, and you know, sad at the the dawning of you know the Nazi era of uh, Germany, and it is a downer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and that's um, not even like necessarily the most downer part of it, <laughs> right? It's just like Sally Bowles is like yeah. prostitute and you know drug addict just, yeah it's really sad but i was thinking just recently i was thinking i should watch the movie because i bet i would like yeah, it. yeah you should you definitely should yeah what are their andrew lloyd webber uh shows are there shows are there uh or ones that you like what are what do you like cats no i mostly like phantom i like um jesus christ superstar and i love avita yeah avita like i said i i definitely i definitely get avita yeah that music is so beautiful I mean, I'm a big Mandy Patinkin fan. Yes, of course. I mean, he's he's the bee's knees. Of course, <laughs> yeah, I know him. Fr- I mean, to me, he's in the, in the Gold Montoya. That's who he is. Yeah. Me, so. Yeah. But Danielle, it was so nice getting to know you and having you so on the show. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you, what they should look out for, etc. So the show again is called How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. If you you know, go to Apple. It's not called subscribe anymore. It's called follow. If you follow us, obviously that counts more. That would be great. If you want to, if you like it and want to leave a review, that's fantastic. Um, we're on Twitter, pod, how to survive. We're on Instagram. We'll have a website soon, I hope. And, um, yeah, we'd love to, to have people and we'd love to have you come on. I would love to. And I hope, I hope you can, can come on soon. What day of the week does it come out? It comes out on Tuesdays. Thank okay. You. That's a really good point. It comes out on Tuesdays. And uh, yeah, so far so good. <laughs> yeah, check it out, everyone. Um, and uh, you mentioned following. I always say, uh, if you like what you're hearing, which I hope you do, but even if you don't like what you're hearing, just make sure you're subscribed or following or whatever it's called right. in your app of choice. Uh, so you get the automatic downloads so you don't miss an episode. Again, for and for my show, please uh, leave us for actually for, you know what, for my show for Danielle's show and for Tony's show. Just yes. go leave three reviews right now for there each show. Write nine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> three reviews. Reviews help out the show so much. Uh, yeah. It helps. It helps the algorithm. It helps people 
find the show. And right. also, it just makes us all feel good because you know we all go <laughs> go look to like, oh, what are they yeah. saying? So a fresh, great review helps a ton. Um, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, bonus episodes of the Friend Zone videos for the Thursday show. That's my group show. There's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back. Uh, you can submit carbohydrates that I'll call you on the Thursday show. You can submit questions for all sorts of a- just just tons of access to me. If you sign up for an annual subscription, you get 12 months for the price of 10, uh, two months free. So that's quite a deal. Um, and uh, follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Tony, what about you? I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. <laughs> and uh, my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. That's it. All we're, right. You know, we're huge fans in this house. We listen to it all the time. Thank you very much. Yes. I appreciate that. Danielle, thank you again for coming on. It was wonderful talking to you. Uh, this was really lis- a blast. Listeners, so thank much. you. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, thank you so much for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen.